Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. My name is Stu Whiffin, I'm your host, and it's another week, therefore it's another episode. And today's episode's an absolute joy of an episode to listen to, not because of me, but because of the guest. The guest is Jim Bob from Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, or formerly of Carter and the Unstoppable Sex Machine. Jim's done a stack of stuff um, pre and post Carter, which we will be discussing in this episode, leading right up to his current shows and his recent book. It's a lot to chat about. Um, I grew up listening to to Carter and was a huge fan, so it was a real pleasure to get to to sit down with Jim and and he was an absolute delight to talk to, um, as you're about to to find out. Uh, on this episode. But before we get into it, um, just a big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, big thanks to 76 for producing this. Thanks to My Name Is Ad for the artwork. And also, if you enjoy this episode, please go and have a look in the back catalogue because there's bundles of episodes with loads of other bands and DJs and producers and actors and comedians so go and have a little look because I'm sure you'll see other people on there whose creative journey you'd like to hear about Um, and if you really like this then please like love share subscribe retweet and all that malarkey and also I put out another episode each week over on Patreon now Patreon's a another sort of independence or social media supporting platform where you can go over there and and support this podcast and and help it grow uh, into something where I really want to take it to um, from as little as, I think it's like 79p a month, something like that. But um, you can find out about that, you can find out about live shows, you can find out about merch and everything else in one place. www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com Com, you've heard enough of me. Let's get on with the podcast. So please enjoy Off the Beat and Track Podcast with Jim Bob. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. 
So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year, and they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music, and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. And in addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out, because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast, and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done, is they've given you 15% off. So, if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code, Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk, official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Right, we are recording. We are at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Thank you to those people for letting us have a little bit of space here today. And sitting opposite me is James, Jim, Bob, Jim, Morrison, Jim. Jim. We go with Jim, yeah. Jim's, yeah. <laughs> um, how are you? Uh, all right, bit of a cold, but you know. <laughs> good, good, good. What can you do? Just finished a, a show. Was it Saturday? Uh, Saturday, yeah. How yeah. was that? Yeah, it was amazing. I've got the sort of. It's good in one way, but it's a bad. The, I tend to do these gigs that are like events, and there's a big sort of. So I don't do a lot. I don't do a lot of live shows anymore, and so there's like a massive build-up. And I was playing with a band, and nobody knew, so that was a surprise. Mm-hmm. And then Fruit Bat was coming on, and nobody knew about that. Yeah. So it's this massive build-up, rehearsals, and just form this amazing band, really. And then two hours later, it's over, and then you think, now <laughs> it just seems like a waste, you know. So if we're not playing live. As much as obviously you did throughout yeah. the, the the 90s and early 2000s and stuff, do you do you get anxious? Um, I do, yeah, but, uh, more sort of leading up to it than than actually uh, at the time. Yeah, and because it was there was so much, and again that makes it you know that sort of makes it worse that that yeah. heightened sort of because there's no like oh well it's a bit rubbish tonight we'll sort it out tomorrow that, yeah you know it's just it's got to be good yeah it's that one off thing of and so. And so how is that? Uh, was that Shepherd's Bush? Shepherd's Bush Empire, yeah. So I mean, that's a, that's a sizable gig, isn't it? Yeah. And to sort of do that, and, and I mean, I saw some of the videos that people put up, and it, it, it looked cracking. Yeah. And to walk off stage and, and go back home, like, what's the kind of the next day like? Uh, um, just usually, I mean, usually a lazy day. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't, there is, there is sometimes a point where I do get, I kind of get, not depressed, but kind of uh, slightly sort of blue. A come down. But yeah, there is definitely definite come down. Yeah. But I've, I've always sort of had that though. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
let's get going with the, the track listing. So for track one, Jim, I ask you what you regard as the song with the greatest intro. Okay. Uh, and I said, Another Girl, Another Planet, yeah. by The Only Ones. Great record. Um, it was like an instinctive uh, answer. Because I've always, you know, you have these sort of things where, like, when people say, "What's you know, what's your favourite album?" and you just and you say, "Yeah, what it is," and, and maybe it, there might be a point in your life where it isn't anymore. Yeah, and something else comes along, but you still, and that that's I just know that I love that the intro of that song more than any other. But I think, I've you know, when I look at the questions and I think about mine, like th these sort of things change daily anyway, don't they? Yeah, oh yeah, it's absolutely. Like, and so I think if you just go with your instant gut, yeah. That's and that, probably, yeah. and that very much is. It's that, it's that sort of, just the way ever, everything's kind of. It's like a, a feeling of, of something's coming. It's yeah. like a sort of. It's like a ho it's like the end of a horse race. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> that's awesome. And it, and when it comes, it does deliver as well. Doesn't yeah, that's it? true. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sort of do all that sort of build up and excitement of everything. Here it comes. Here it comes. Yeah. And then an Ed Sheeran song starts. Yeah. So that's <laughs> like, it fulfills its promise. Absolutely. So, t talking intros. Um, as a songwriter uh, and, and a writer, uh, more just talking about the, the, the music, really. Like, how how much emphasis did you put on on the intros to records? Um, I'd say, yeah, a lot, really. I thought, you know, either either there would be, if there was, because we, you know, we've, I've definitely written songs or recorded songs where there was no intro. You know, it'd be like straight in there with with yeah. the with the first verse or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I've always those bit every sort of bit has always been important to me. The dynamics of music. Yeah. So the intro, the yeah. you know, like we'd, we'd spend ages trying to get fades right on songs. Have really long fades. Oh really? And sort of had to, and hated hearing where they ended. <laughs> we'd have to turn on it really loud. No try. You know, had to be really. So we ended up with a lot of really really long fades. Yeah. Because I hate hearing that last bit where where they run out of of a uh, fader. Yeah. <laughs> so so you know so intros definitely were. Yeah, important, you know. I think um, only Living Boy and New Cross has got a good intro, right? Um, now that see that comes straight in with the with the vocal. Am I it? thinking I like. after the watershed then? After the watershed's got the yeah this sort of uh, sort of um, string bit. Yeah, that's got a kind of Hello, like, almost welcome. classical intro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and do you know what? I was watching the the video to that the other day, and. Uh, and that's the one where you and Les are, I mean, what looks like a sort of warehouse, am I right? And yeah. there's loads of people sort of jumping yeah, around yeah. behind it. And, and I was just sort of looking at it and, and looking at the people in the background made, made me kind of, I don't know, obviously there's lots of nostalgia attached to that for me and, 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 and your band, but just looking at the mixture of people which you almost name check in the song as well. Yeah. It just looked so colourful, that kind of cross section of people. Yeah. You know, there was, you know, there's people with dreads, people in census things, t shirts, I believe, and, and, and goths and stuff like that. They're, they're all kind of like uh, people we knew, I think. I th what I remember was, so they're like, fa like fans that we kind of knew personally. Yeah. There's a lot of those there. Then there's people, there's a few people who work with us, like there's our. Our press officer's there, yeah. and he's. I think he's. I think his dogs in. He had a three-legged dog. I think the dogs in the video. Yeah. But then we also had about 
four professional dancers. I don't oh, really? Know <laughs> just, I don't know, just in case. Shipped him from Top of the Pops. Yeah, I don't know why, because it didn't really, didn't really make any difference. But, but it, just, it was one of them things that um, I, I often, when, when chatting to people on this podcast, sort of look back and then and look at it now and, and how things have changed so much. And, and, and also with the, the intro thing, I think in a world of Shazam and, and, yeah, and everything yeah. so instantaneous kind of, you know, post-internet, that everything's got to be instant. Yeah. And if, you know, you haven't hooked them in the first couple of seconds, people are on to the next thing. Yeah. And like, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about it, but I, I've sort of... Uh, you know, with streaming, especially, I know that sort of. That, I mean, I mean, it happened with CDs when people would master the music to to fit on, to sound good on a CD or, yeah. or to sound good on the radio. And because yeah. we we used to have a problem with that with with Carter songs because they were quite dynamic. You know, so yeah. sometimes had really quiet beginnings. Yeah. And then they build and then they get loud at the end, but that sort of wouldn't necessarily work with. Yeah. With you know streamed music now, it's got to yeah. be very sort of the same all the way through it. Yeah. Uh, so in a way, I'm glad I don't have to sort of <laughs> yeah. have to pander to any of that kind of thing. And, and going back to the the, the 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 people that were dancing in the in the video that I, I've mentioned, and how colourful it looked, and and how there was just loads of different kind of I don't know, sort of like youth cultures, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And and I look at now still as a promoter and DJing what were called, I guess you called alternative clubs, if you want to call it indie clubs, whatever you want to call it. That kind of diversity in style and, and, and everybody kind of seemed to wear their colours on their sleeves yeah. back then. Yeah. And maybe I'm just too old to, to be aware that it's still going on, but I don't see it as much now. And, and I don't see that kind of loads of different sorts yeah. of people within a, in a venue looking completely different and, and having their thing that you know you can that they'd walk through the door at a club and you'd be like right I know that that person's yeah. going to want to hear Front 242 and System of a, um, uh, and uh, Sisters of Mercy or that person's going to want to hear Kingmaker and the senseless things yeah. and you, it's not that identifiable anymore do, no. do you know what I'm trying to yeah. say? <clears throat> yeah I mean maybe they are but maybe, or maybe you know you might uh Maybe there are those people around, but they're, maybe they're all kind of old, older. Or, That's you know, what I'm thinking. My, my age. I'm, I'm desperately <laughs> trying to make this not a fact that it's just me getting old. Because <laughs> I went to, uh, like, Fruit Band now plays in a band called Ferocious Dog. Yeah. And I went to, they did a gig in London, I went to that. And, and I thought, I was sort of aware that the audience looked like they were from, this is not, this is not a derogatory thing. Yeah. They kind of looked like they were from the past. It looked like, a, an, I felt like it was an old gig. Yeah. So maybe... You know, and, they, and they've got a lot of fans yeah. in the north of England, so maybe they, you know, maybe if you, I don't know, maybe it'd be different if you went to uh, Warsop or somewhere like that. But I, hope I know so. what you mean. You don't, you don't see like groups of skinheads no. like you used to. I mean, no. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Yeah, or, or like mods, unless unless they're on scoot on some sort of scooter yeah, rally, and then yeah. you think, where have they all come from? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I'm just. It, it, it was one of them things. If I cast my mind back to. to to when I was maybe sort of early twenties, late teens, then there would be all these yeah. different kind of people yeah. in, in one venue, and 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 it just seems now this kind of blurred, united yeah. window of top Space, shop. Yeah, I think that that's it's fashion, isn't it? And you, it is. And you it get is. like a sort of you know, your granddad wears the same clothes as as his as his grandkids or whatever. And it feels like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
How, how are you in nostalgia? Uh, I don't sort of. I don't know. I don't. I, there's certain different kinds of nostalgia. I think with. Okay. I mean, thinking like personally from like with with Carter because you know when we got back together. Yeah. Uh, and we did. We were just playing old songs, obviously, and there was. Yeah. But I th it felt like a different sort of nostalgia to say, like a an eighties. An eighties weekender when everyone's kind of ironically yeah. dr dressing up with uh, you know. It was. It, it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. not a. Yeah, it wasn't just. People weren't just taking a piss, kind of thing. You know, yeah. people didn't come along and wear cycle hats and shorts. Yeah. Just, just take the piss out of Carter. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if you go to a, you know, you might go to an 80s thing and it'll be like. Everyone's wearing daily bottles, dancing yeah, a five star. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, so, so, kind of different, you know. Yeah. 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 I, totally, I totally agree. Okay. Well, before we get on to track two, is there any other considerations for the greatest intro? You can have some honourable mentions there's, if there's. There's a lot of. Uh, Sex Pistols songs, mm. I find, you know, like Pretty Vacant yeah. and uh, Anarchy in the UK. God, God, so all, the, all their songs, all their singles have those kind of, similar kind of thing to their Another Girl on Another Planet. A lot of sense of urgency. I, yeah, I to let you know that something's coming. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of, yeah, yeah. look out, <laughs> this is going to be, uh, yeah. Well, I want to get back on to, to punk as we move through this, this podcast anyway. Um, but for track two, uh, it's the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I lied. I didn't lie here, but it's, it, it's just that I remember, I remember it happening. Because okay. there must have been sure. other times before this. But, so I, I picked Time by Tom Waits. Because I, I remember hearing it for the, for the first time when I got the album. And, and just, I remember sort of, I mean, it's quite, you know, it's a long time ago. But I think I, I, think I cried. When was that? Uh, Whenever it came out, that's a good question. Uh, it's the eighties, isn't it? So, right. uh, I don't know what what year it is. Yeah. I'm terrible with years. Yeah. So you know, so I obviously ha must have been moved by music before that. Yeah. But you know, um, I just remember hearing it and thinking, yeah, this is devastating sort of yeah. music lyrically and sort yeah. of the tune and everything. And and it's so, so you would have been a a young lad then. No, oh. I was. Uh, I was mid twenties or something, late twenties. Oh, okay, so. okay. So, had you already been exploring Tom Waits and things like that? Because that's 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 slightly more yeah, left I, field music, isn't it? You know, I suppose so. Yeah, I think I first I first heard him probably like you know in the seventies or something when he was on uh, the old Great Whistle Test. Yeah, doing um, Tom Trubert's blues. Blues. I think I think that was the first. I remember seeing him then, thinking it was. Well, it was like sort of nothing I'd seen or heard before. Yeah. I remember getting into him then, and I think I bought, I like, bought his because he'd had quite a few albums out yeah. already, hadn't he? So I bought bought those albums, and then just kind of stuck stuck with him and kind of yeah. bought everything that came out. And I, you know, that I think it was, it was the lyrics had a lot to do with it because I was always always into writing, you know. Yeah. Well, I certainly was by then. I wanted to, to you know, to be as good as that. Obviously. I, I mean, that's a good benchmark to, to aim yeah, for, isn't yeah. it? I'm not saying I ever was, but, <laughs> but you know, that's what I wanted to do, that kind of wordy yeah. storytelling yeah. thing that he did. And completely unique, you know, looked incredible yeah. And, yeah. and sounded like, you know, vocal, aside from music, vocals sounded like nothing else really. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, so where was you born, Jim? I was born in uh, Streatham in South London. Okay. And... And growing up at home, was there was there music on? There was, uh, 
Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, my mum was a my mum was a singer. So, okay. uh, uh, but by the time I was born, she wasn't because my older sister. I th- this is this is what I've always led, been led to believe that my sister, older sister was two years two years older than me. And when my mum had her, that's when that's kind of the end of her <laughs> show business career yeah. for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, there was always. Um, so there was always music. I mean, a lot of like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett. Yeah. And then as I got a bit older, my mum, mum was uh, massively into reggae. All oh, so, right. Yeah. I mean, it was quite surprising in a way. You know, if you if if you if you'd met her, you know, you you might be surprised because she had this uh, background of doing like like close harmony singing. Okay. She was in this group, and they were on the Morecambe and Wise show and all oh, right Benny Hill and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, but then later on, she was just really into, like, Dennis Brown and <laughs> Bob Marley. And, That's and, good. And we had these, yeah, it's that sort of, it was kind of weird, sort of, we used to have these, she had a lot of parties around our house that I, I didn't really enjoy. But they were kind of like, you know, you, no one wants to see their mum smoking dope, do they, when they're like, <laughs> sort of like <laughs> when, you're, when you're 13 years old. <laughs> should be you doing it. Yeah, you? absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, so there, so there was that, so there was that, you know, when I was really young, like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett and stuff, and then later on, it would a lot, a lot of reggae in the house. Yeah. And so, was your sister into music? Was it that kind of thing where you'd go and rifle yeah, through your older sister's yeah. records? I mean, I have quite, quite early memories of I think like, I was nine or something when my sister was. She, uh, like her friends were, it would have been, like Scar, sort of. They were kind of not skinheads, but I think they were smooth. They were called at the yeah. time. I think. What's uh, that mean? I've not heard that. I think it was like I always remember that, but it was so they were like skinheads with basically skinheads with long hair. Right. <laughs> so they kind of wore it was more more stay press and less yeah. less more stay press and loafers and trilbies that yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I remember you know a lot of that music, you know, double barrel and all that kind of stuff. Uh, do you like it? Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I do now. You know, even more so now. And then later, she'd have boyfriends, and I I'd sort of be into their music so yeah. which included like that rock and stuff like that yeah you know so so when i was yeah whatever they were playing she had a boyfriend for quite a while and um i remember being massively into like uh bad company yeah and super trump but yeah. just just because those are the records that he yeah. brought around that's a good cross-section of music to be yeah. exposed to as a yeah. young age yeah I, yeah my my tastes when i was a teenager were insane yeah all over the shop okay so, track three is the song that reminds you of school. Yeah, I, I went for the Peaches by the Stranglers. Oh, what a great record! Because uh, I think, because um, I mean, I could have picked loads of things. Because you know, uh, you can throw some honourable mentions like, in, mate. Like, like for example, like when I was, I don't, I'm going to say, 14, I did my first ever uh, in inverted commas gig with like a school sort of band, and I, I sung "Rave On" by Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Right. And uh, I was in this sort of. I was very much into, for a very short period of time, I was massively into rock and roll. Yeah. So I was kind of a teddy boy. So for, for, I don't know. It may have been like six months or something. Yeah. But um, so I could have said something like that, you know. But, but I just remember when punk sort of happened and I was, I was near the end of leaving school. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a disaster for, for my school because I just gave up on everything. I just didn't couldn't take anything seriously. I had to do like exam, revision that, and I just didn't bother doing it. Uh, but I remember, um, 
I mean, it was. I remember the Bill Grundy thing. Yeah. Like, really oh, well. really? I don't. I don't remember that so much. But I remember going to school and at assemb the assembly, the headmaster had made like a, like a sort of, address the, the pupils to tell them to not get involved in punk rock music because it was really? a, it was a, you know, it was a phase and yeah. as though it was like really really dangerous. So I remember you had to be be sort of quiet about admitting to like trying to find people who, who liked punk music because you weren't supposed to like it, you know. Yeah. Was you in with both feet at this point? No, I was kind of very like, tentatively. Uh, I mean, you could get you could get beaten up for for like wearing straight trousers. I remember yeah. that, you know, for, for not wearing flares. Really? Just for, for for a short period of time. So, and I remember finding up someone at school who liked the Stranglers and liked the Jam. Yeah. And and you know and uh, I can't remember who else it was at the time, but that sort of you know kind of. You know, it was very much. She likes, yeah. Don't tell anyone, kind of. You know, a bit masonic under the table. Yeah, it was. Sort of, yeah, I mean, it's mad <laughs> to think of it now. You know that. So I, I remember buying the uh, Vibrators single. Yeah. It was the first punk single I bought, and I remember, I can really remember going into the shop and like yeah. the disgust that the bloke behind the thing for me buying it. But you know, he was selling it. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from kind of giving up at the the, the, the latter point. Did you enjoy school? Uh, I'd say um, sometimes, you know, like not not always. I think. I mean, I, I mean, towards the end, I, I, I mean, I bunked off so much that that it's difficult to know what you're enjoying, isn't it? You know, I enjoyed yeah. school, but I wasn't necessarily there. So yeah. maybe I enjoyed. I remember when once I'd left, I remember feeling sort of like totally lost. Oh, really? Yeah, sort of. I I was very kind of. Uh, I suddenly had no friends. And I had, without sounding like I'm trying to big myself up, but yeah. when I was like 15 or 16, I had, I had quite a lot of girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly there were no girls. Yeah. No, so I had no friends, and I thought I'm never, ever going to, never going to get a girlfriend, ever. I was convinced of that. And, you know, and then I had to go, I went, you know, so I went straight to, I got a job. I mean, getting a job was a piece of piss then. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I got a job quite quickly. But Doing what? Um, I was a, a foot messenger for an oh, okay. advertising company. But, um, yeah, I just remember for a short while, I just felt like, yeah, and I didn't really see anyone from school. I'd probably seen about three people. It was quite a big school. I'd probably seen about three people from my school since. But, 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 oh, really? <laughs> yeah. but, but at the time, did, you know, did you feel a connection to, was there many people that were kind of feeling a little bit shy about admitting that they were into punk and, and not wanting to get beaten up for... Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that kind of passed quite quickly, I think, yeah. that, you know, and then... Things happen really quickly, don't they? When you're, you're that age, yeah. you think, "Oh, that must have been years," and you yeah. find you think, "Oh no, it's just a period of three months where all these things happen." But did did punk feel like you know? You said you had a, a rock and roll phase, and yeah. you know, and things like. That. Did punk feel like at the time like it might just be a bit of a, a fad or a phase, or did did you realise that they were shaking something up here? Did it did it feel like it did? It did feel yeah, because it you know it felt. I mean, it felt like almost illegal sort of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? It was uh, like people were genuinely worried yeah. about it. And I'd say I was more, I wasn't like a, I wasn't like a, you know, I didn't add, I wasn't a safety pin sort of punk. Yeah. I was, you know, I was quite, I was probably more suited to the stuff that followed it, you know, the new wave or whatever. Yeah. And that, you know, I mean, again, that was quite quick. It was quite quickly after, yeah. wasn't it? You know, it was, so, uh, but yeah, just, I, but it was more the music. I think the music was, definitely the exciting bit for me more yeah. than the hanging around on King's Road spitting at people that wasn't yeah. sort of that didn't excite me at all yeah. it was more the you know just the 
And you said you'd, you'd already played a, a gig at school and things like that. And so in, in regards to, to the music and things like that, was you, was you sort of deconstructing songs and working out maybe how they were put together? And, and was you sort of already sort of thinking, this is something that maybe I want to pursue? Uh, no, I think, I think for quite a long time I just copied people. Yeah. So, you know, so uh, even when I was in, in actual bands, I, at first I was just, you know, we'd be the jam and then we'd be the skids yeah. and then, you know, Spanner Valley even for a short while, you know, I really was just like that. copying things. So, <laughs> so I was just very sort of, I, I was a fan, fan yeah. of things and I just would copy those and do my own yeah. slightly, you know, weird version of, the, yeah. of that. And just fast forwarding massively here to to the incredible cover versions that Carter done. Yeah. Was that, was that something that come from just being obsessed with different sorts of genres of music and, so, and yeah. songs and... Yeah. Uh, I think, because, uh, cause, you know, everyone does that ironic cover version thing now. Yeah. And I, I really can't stand it. Yeah. You know, I, I, even though we did it, you know, yeah. we, we did, you know. Yeah, but they were great. Yeah, yeah maybe that was why I don't know. Whereas now everyone, you know, everyone's expected to do a, yeah. a Taylor Swift cover or something. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, they, that was all the things we did. They were, they were the, you know, it was the music that we liked. You know, we yeah. liked, we, you know, we loved the Pet Shop Boys and yeah. we loved Soft Cell and yeah, and uh, whatever else we did. That kind sugar of sugar cubes, sugar cubes. Yeah, that was just, that was so weird. Yeah, not so sure that was so good when we did oh, that. Oh, I love that. And because we did the jam song, yeah. I think that was. In spirals, in spiral carpets, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was that. You know, that was good as well to do kind of a cover of your sort of contemporaries, yeah, people you might be doing gig with, and then do one of their songs, yeah. But, yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you could there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Listen to all the songs because I put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. You covered shampoo as well, didn't you? We did, yeah. And so when I was sort of doing a bit of prep for this the other day, I was just sort of going through and playing some old records and stuff. And, and, and I heard that. And I then went on YouTube and, and watched shampoo on top of the pops performing Trouble. And, and I remember at the time just thinking it was this kind of novelty kind of thing that had been thrown out. And, uh, and I'm not, not saying it's anything groundbreaking, but they really couldn't sing. <laughs> and, and it was a brilliant pop record. Oh, yeah, amazing. And, and I was watching, I was just thinking, this is just has been completely sort of forgotten now, this song. And it was, it was a cracking pop single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it kind of was a, you know, it's pretty punk rock because they couldn't sing. And it looked <laughs> like they were just a couple of girls that have just been sort of pulled off the street and said, right, sing this. And, and it I was... I think they were pretty genuine as well. Like, yeah. met them a couple of times in what they were doing. It was it didn't yeah. feel fake or anything. Yeah. You know, they really were. Yeah. They really did hate everything. You and know? so... <laughs> so did you... Have you met any of the, the, the bands that whose covers you've done and, and, uh, and, and, and spoke about it? Not uh, with the exception of um, in Spiral Carpets. Yeah. You know, because sort of knew them quite well. So yeah. probably that came up and... Uh, Shampoo, which sort of met them a few times. Um, Never got to hear Neil Tennant's take. Oh, we did, but did always he- we heard sort of things secondhand. Kind okay. of, so kind of met like uh, we went, to, we were invited to uh, one of their parties once. So that was that, wow. So that must have been, you know, they must have liked it. We'd Absolutely. heard, we'd heard that. I think Neil Tennant. I don't want to sort of mis- misquote, but I'm pretty sure Neil Tennant at one point said that our version of Rent was better than this. I mean, obviously, he, was, he might have been tongue-in-cheek. Doesn't matter, take it. <laughs> but, you know, I've never heard from, like, Paul... Work, you know, I was, um, I was, you know, the number one jam fan, but yeah. I never heard from Paul. I met, I met him once, but only to say hello yeah. in a canteen at a rehearsal studio, yeah. and I got the feeling he hated me. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't, he probably didn't. I think he was yeah. just a bit moody. But then that, that might just be the enormity of meeting one of your heroes, I guess. What, what him right. meeting me? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? You say that, right? I, I read an interview once, which I thought was, was absolutely incredible. And it was an interview with Ian McCulloch, yeah. who appears to never be backwards in coming forwards. Yeah. And he was just talking in this interview, and he said, Do you remember the time that Bono met me? And, and just that it's so matter-of-fact. And I just thought that was fantastic. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, track four. Jim, he's the first record you remember by him. Yes, uh, I said I, I'm going with Tiger Feet by yep. Mud. I've, uh, my sort of when I've been asked this in the past, I always thought it was um, Imagine by John Lennon, like a like okay. a, a re-release version. But I sort of actually thought about it, and I realised that it was probably it was more likely a Tiger Feet by Mud. Um, because like, I had I had records that had been given to me or nicked off my sister and that, but I, I sort of quite remember buying that. Yeah. And that kind of fitted in, like Mud was there, sort of fitted in with where I was at the time. So I was, like I said, I was a Ted, and, yeah. I, and I wanted to be a singer in a, oh, in a rock and roll band. But like Mud were kind of the, they were also a bit glam rock. It was yeah. sort of, you know, a bit. Uh, I think the bass player lived 
on the road where I went to primary school and right. just felt like a, a local, yeah. even though it weren't, it felt like, a, felt like yeah. a local sort of thing. And yeah, I think I wanted to be the bass player. So. <laughs> <laughs> you got the dream big, mate. Um, so aside from the, the kind of connection to the, the sort of TED stuff that they had, did, did glam have an impact on you? Um, it, it didn't really, it didn't really, like later, later on it is, you know, definitely, well, it was kind of after it was over. Yeah. So, uh, and I suppose, you know, what was, because I love all that music, mm. but I don't, at the time, I don't think I was, you know, I wasn't massively into Sweet. Yeah. Or uh, Unmentionable, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, at Slade, you know, at yeah. the time, they were just kind of there. Yeah. It was just, uh, but later on, yeah. you know, when I was sort of, a lot older yeah and so you know I sort of really got into that music I guess it's, it, it's, it's strange when you sort of at the time I guess when you're young these sort of things are just you, you I presume you just look at them as, as being pop music yeah it's like ABBA or something isn't yeah. it yeah you know, maybe you don't realise till later on yeah the genius of ABBA a absolutely you know I mean? at the time they're just oh there's ABBA yeah singing their songs yeah absolutely completely agree so how old would you have been when you bought Tiger Feet um, I'm going to say about 12 or something like that. Remember where you got it? Uh, I, quite likely Woolworths, yeah. I think. I've got to say Woolworths. <laughs> that was just the king of shops, wasn't it? it you'd really you'd was, walk yeah. into Woolworths, and aside from the records, you'd have that array of pick-a-mix that was yeah. unmatched anywhere <laughs> else. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, sort of... It's essentially Poundland, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Now, you know, yeah. just that they were just they were like too, they were like the upmarket Poundland. Yeah. They were too expensive. <laughs> Middle class survive. <laughs> um, and so, had you already have you experienced not playing, but going to gigs and stuff, uh, uh, sort of school age and stuff like that? No, I went to. Uh, I mean, the first gig I, I remember the first gig I went to because it was uh, it was Queen at Hyde Park. Wow. And it was. Uh, I, I'm guessing I was again. I think 14. So then maybe that was there. Uh, so I remember that was like a big, that was like a big thing. And I went with my uh, um, stepbrother and he went to look for a toilet and I never saw him again. I never saw him that day. Yeah. And I was absolutely terrified because I was <laughs> in, they were just like, I don't know, really like 80,000 hippies yeah. there. And they were like chucking piss at the support, yeah. support pads and, the, and smoking dope and all the rest of it. And I just remember, that, and I was lost. I terrified. didn't know where I was. Absolutely terrified. But that was the first gig I don't, and I didn't really go to start going to gigs until uh, punk and new wave really are you a Queen fan Jim? Um, yeah 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 sort of again like not not in an ironic way yeah you know I sort of I mean I, I had like I kind of got into them around uh, so that would have been probably would have been Night of the Opera that sort of time yeah. and I, you know and I went to see them probably saw them about three times uh, and I bought that album and then when then the next album came out, I think I got that one, which was that day at the races. And then yeah. the one after that must have been coincided with punk. Yeah. And so I absolutely hated Queen. Of course. And I, Cause I remember my aunt bought me, bought me their album for Christmas. And yeah. I was like, What's I can't this, this is, you know what I mean? Cause you have to sort of get rid of all that stuff and pretend like rewrite, rewrite your own history very yeah. quickly. Yeah. So, um, where are we at for track five? So I want to, Move it forward a little bit now, uh, Jim, and ask you about uh, a song that makes, like, that, that, that reminds you of your years clubbing. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it takes me back because I never, I was never, 
I was never a <laughs> It's so a strange. It's a, weird, it's a weird question for me. Well, it's, it's not a weird question for guests on this podcast because I've recorded maybe 40 episodes of this now and, and, and all are with kind of musicians or actors and such and I reckon 80% said I've never, I was never into clubbing. Oh, really? I never really went clubbing, yeah. Oh, right. so, so I picked a song from when I used to go to disco. Yeah. <laughs> when, I was like, when I was like 18 or so. Yeah. But that's, so that's, that's, that's the closest I would say because yeah. I regularly went to this. Uh, yeah. So I picked uh, Sylvester. You make me feel mighty real. <laughs> I mean, it's as disco as it gets, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> I just sort of, it's a kind of, because I used to go to, it was Cat's Whiskers in Streatham. Okay. That's what it's called. And it was, uh, so I went there every, I think it was every Sunday. Uh, and I went there mainly to uh, pick up girls is wrong, but bas- basically to meet a girl. Yeah. Or, you know, I never ever did. Yeah. And I just remember going there, we'd uh, probably, you know, have a drink, whatever, dance to Sylvester and yeah. Crown Heights Affair and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Watched the sh- there was a few show-off dancers, I remember that. Dancers yeah. who just thought they were like, you know, yeah. slightly more, like Maybe better than they were. Maybe subconsciously thought at that point, in a few years' yeah, time, I've I got could a be that video, player, yeah. I'm going to get four of them dancers yeah. and stick them in my video. <laughs> <laughs> I remember they had a, they had a, they'd have a band on later right. on. They'd have a band on and they'd play like covers and it'd always be shit because it, yeah. it just didn't have that that sort of, I don't know if it was like the kick drum or something. Like, yeah. they couldn't It couldn't sort of couldn't dance to them basically yeah i remember that and then i remember i just remember walking home always in a, always in the rain no matter what time of the year <laughs> <laughs> on my, on, no girl oh, no girlfriend joyous. so that's my memory of, cl- of that <laughs> it was going there every week and then walking home afterwards having a, had an unsuccessful evening well you mentioned <laughs> that when you was at school you had um you know a few girlfriends and yeah. stuff like that so it, m- moving back to the, the you know the disco and stuff like that would could you ever have gone up to a girl and said, can I buy you a drink? Was, was that? Th- no, I don't think so. No. I think I was just hoping something would, maybe they'd ask me if I yeah. wanted a drink or something, or I'd, I don't know, accidentally bump yeah. into them. I think that's, you know, whereas at school, they were just, people were just there, weren't they? Yeah. It was a mixed school. Yeah. And you just sort of met people. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so, even sort of, this makes me sound like a terrible predator when I was like a <laughs> 17-year-old predator. Just walking, oh, gosh, yeah. So, as you've, you know, you, you got a bit older and, and the bands and stuff started happening, like, would you, would you not be going to, you know, you know when, let's, let's talk about Carter then, like when, when Carter had sort of commercial success, yeah. would you then... Be wanting to go to to parties and clubs with. I suppose yeah. I suppose we did go to. We went to things after. Yeah. You know, on tour we'd go to. People would invite you along to clubs yeah. and that, but you'd invariably be listening to your own music or yeah. you know, or you know that sort of stuff. You know, uh, and it's, you know we were, I suppose we went to the. I should have thought of this. You know, we did go to Feet first. Of course. Kind of Palace, <laughs> and we and we did go to the uh, New Cross venue. Yep. I had a gold, uh, a gold pass, which which uh, I can't remember. What I, but it got you in, obviously. Yeah. But I think it got you into like yeah. a, a little bar there that you could yeah. go to. I remember that was like a that felt like a moment. <laughs> I, the first time I ever went there was to see the Sultans of Ping and the Frank and Waters. Ah. Was it both? I think it was both. I might have been there. It was definitely the Sultans. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
But yeah, that was. Uh, is that still there? It's still there. Yeah, it's. it's uh, was it a paper the other day actually, or in, on the online paper? There's, yeah. There's still the fact that it was still going, but it's mostly. I th- I'm pretty sure it's mostly like tribute acts now. There was quite a few of them eking in. Yeah. Even when I was younger, if I remember rightly. I think it's the only way you can get people into. Yeah. Places like that, isn't it? Now. I, I remember seeing a jam tribute that was a four piece, and that weirded me out. Oh, the, guy that, the guy that was well, weren't playing guitar, and I just oh, thought, no. this don't work. No, no, no. You got you got to make the effort, haven't you? If you're gonna, <laughs> if you're gonna do that. We did a gig. We did some gigs with when Carter like were on the way out, and uh, we had like tax bills to pay. So we yeah. did a lot of like these awful university ball gigs. Absolutely hated all of them. All, every one of them was horrible. All the audience were horrible, drunk assholes. But we did one with uh, an Oasis tribute band played. Brilliant. And the singer was full on method Liam Gallagher. It was. It was just just to sort of. All day and all night, just Brilliant. an arrogant prick. And like, just sort of, <laughs> sort of, You've you nailed that, mate. No, you are I, don't, I don't know if he was. I don't know what came first. If he yeah. thought like I'm going to do this really well, yeah. or if he thought that's the perfect job for me. But yeah, he just <laughs> yeah. acted like he was, yeah, like a real prima donna about everything. <laughs> it's quite funny. What are your thoughts on tribute bands? Then uh, I don't. Uh, I don't really. I've, I don't think I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen one. I must have done. I've seen. I've seen two. And both were at the venue. One was not the Japanese. Actually, that's not true. I've seen a car tribute bands. Oh, really? There's a Japanese one called Clinton USM. There, they've played uh, our after shows. We they flew, flew them over from Japan, and they're incredible. So because they don't speak English. Yeah. So they've learned all the songs like phonetically. So they're kind of. I not, mean, that's commitment to a tribute oh, yeah. act, isn't and it? They're, they're, and there's two of them. Yeah. There's not like three of them and a drummer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and a sax player or something. That's fantastic. Yeah, they're amazing. But I really haven't seen, and I've because I'm sort of, I could never see from the jam. Yeah. That would that would upset the me. The one that's got uh, Bruce Watson. I, I, I think mean, it's just Bruce. For a while, it was it Bruce Watson and Rick. Well, but, wasn't it? Like this. There's something quite sweet about it, but there's also something quite tragic about it. Yeah. And. Yeah, I, I, but I struggle with bands when they replace the singer. Yeah, you know, I and it's no problem with them doing it at all. But I personally, I, you know, I, d- I can't see. I don't see the undertones without Fergal Sharkey. I'm sure they're brilliant. Yeah, but it's that's what I, I tend to sort of Has it ever gravitate towards the singers. Yeah, I think it works for them. They get and they do fine. And yeah. Stranglers apparently yeah, of course. do re- do really well. Yeah, but for me, I'd sort of I'd rather not not yeah. go. But that's just me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... So, looking at, at the, the kind of... Look, well, let's talk about the book now. That, that, that makes sense, because we've, we, we've got up to clubbing. Obviously, you and Les have, have formed Carter off the back of Jamie, Jamie Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. And, and then uh, success has come, and, and then you've signed to the major... But for could you sign Chrysalis for, for that third album, I think. Yeah, and then top charts, uh, number one album that do, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, headline Glastonbury. I mean, and it's obviously it's downhill from there, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> no other way to go, is there? There isn't, though, is there? <laughs> like, I, I guess, in, in the you know, the realms of music, and, and uh, that, where can you go after <laughs> yeah, that? Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, how did that feel? Um, it feels better now than it did did then, like as a boast. Yeah. Because I, I, the the kind of the upward, if you think of it as a as a sort of, you know, uh, 
a graph yeah. rather than a journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of, when, you're head, when you're sort of heading upwards in an upwards yeah. direction, that, that's when it's most exciting. Yeah. So in a way, the kind of, so I suppose, success-wise, the number one album and Glastonbury thing is, is like a peak. Yeah. But I, I think I enjoyed the midway, <laughs> the midway going up bit. Yeah. Was always, because everything was new. It was always, whereas by the time it was, oh, what should we do this year? Well, should we headline Glastonbury? You know, they, yeah. they wanted to do it. And, you know, we kind of knew the album was probably going to be number one. Yeah. It wasn't like, whereas when 30 something, I think 30 something went at number eight. Yeah. That was like, we didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And that was really exciting. Yeah. All those kind of things. So getting on top of the pops. Uh, yeah, I did that quite a few times. How was yeah. that? That was uh, the first time. Let's talk about the first time. First time. I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as Les did because because uh, I had to sing live. Right. You know, you had to sing live, and he just basically so he just he just got pissed and just yeah. like, just <laughs> pretended to play the guitar. I wanted to do that. Yeah. You know, so uh, I was always quite nervous about it, but um, but the first time we did it, it was so it was after the watershed. Yeah. And that's probably the most eventful Top of the Pops because I don't know how many times we did it quite a few times probably the most eventful one because uh, Les was you know it was around the time of him doing that thing on Smash Hits Awards you know he was yeah. very angry and kind of uh, not into compromise at all yeah. so in a way he felt uncomfortable going on Top of the Pops and uh, they had this thing where you had to you had to plug your leads into the guitars to show so that it's like a trick to yeah. make you know and so we, we put the uh this is a stupid thing. The mains plugs of the amps on top of the amps, just to like <laughs> so that we know that. Well, we know. Yeah. yeah. But that was the one when uh, Dame Kiri, whatever her name was, was right. on doing a rugby song, and she uh, she was a bit stroppy about people smoking, and I think Les ended up having to go at her, telling her to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a lot of that kind of, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was. Because you go on there and you just sort of meet people, you know, you meet David Bowie and Mariah Carey and all yeah. this kind of thing, but just kind of in passing, all right, you know, sort of, <laughs> which is... So uh, does it become something that you kind of get used to, walking past people that you've grown up listening to or watching, or, or do, you, do you ever feel like you want to just go and shake their hand and um, say hello? Obviously, he's pre-can-I-have-a-selfie yeah. kind of moment. I think now I definitely would, you know, I'd love to do that. I'd love to meet those people again. Yeah. I think at the time when you're kind of, when, you, when you're, you're sort of, not, not, not sort of consciously, but maybe in your, in your head you think you're equal to, yeah. you know? So maybe like when Carter were on top of the pops, I was thinking we were equal to David Bowie. Yeah. You know, we're, obviously we're not. Yeah. But at the time you're thinking, yeah, we're just, yeah. we're in the same, we've yeah. got the same job. Did you just keep a lid on your ego, Jim, throughout the years? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. Probably got a bit, you know, moaning about... Same as, you know, start moaning about sandwiches and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> I did that the other day, you know, just doing, to, just doing that one gig, you know, and suddenly you got a rider and that, and they'd put some ham in the fridge, you know, and a vegetarian, so yeah. I sort of... I took, what's this? Had a proper Mariah Carey <laughs> took, moment. Yeah, it really. ham. It's very easy to slip into that kind yeah. of... Yeah. I think it's just boredom, you know. Yeah. Maybe. So, the new book, which I'm looking at here. Who's on the cover, by the way? Uh, a bloke called Mark Reynolds, who we just... Um, not long ago, I did a... Uh, I can't remember. I was just doing a gig. doing a gig. It might have been the Shepherd's Bush one. And he just, just, on, just on Twitter or something, just put up like a cartoon version of the, of the, of the thing. I thought, oh, that's really good. Yeah. And then it ended up with him... Doing doing some artwork for something else, and then he ended up doing 
this cover and he redesigned the old cover and yeah. he's kind of become our Team Jim Bob artist. But we only I met him just like months ago, literally. So let's talk about the book then. So what's why did you write it? That's a good question. Uh, I think because um, I'd written, I wrote, the, I wrote one like in 2004, yep. so the, the first uh, Carter autobiography or whatever, mm-hmm. memoir, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with the word memoir. Uh, and uh, there was all, I'd always thought I might, might do another one, and it was uh, the whole Jim Bob from Carter thing, and I thought uh, when I was, um, when I was in uh, the Edinburgh Fringe, uh, when I met um, Pip, Pip, well, I'd met before, but uh, um, at that time, I sort of I had the idea of doing an Edinburgh show called Jim Bob from Carter, and it would just be about how I couldn't sort of move on, wasn't allowed to move on. Yeah. And so that was kind of the basis for the book of, of like sort of doing all the things that I did, like post Carter, but whilst all the time, in a lot of people's eyes, still being Jim Bob from Carter. Yeah. And to the to the point where I kind of essentially give up and re-reform. Yeah. <laughs> so it's those sort of, you know, it's that's the sort of, but it's supposed to be a funny book, you know, it's not yeah. like a, it's not a drugs and sex, uh, mainly because there were no drugs or sex. Yeah. There's nothing to tell. <laughs> <laughs> that's really sucked the book there. <laughs> nothing to tell. <laughs> All right. Well, um, for track six, uh, Jim, I asked you to pick a favourite song from an artist from your hometown, or home okay. county. Um, I went for David Bowie, mm-hmm. um, Fantastic Voyage, because that's, I think that's my favourite. Dav- I mean, there are millions, well, not yeah. millions, but there are a lot of David Bowie songs. Yeah. If you're going to start choosing uh, Fantastic Voyage, I've I just always loved that song. Um, and I suppose, because when you said county, I sort of, he's kind of, uh, you know, because he was born in Brixton, yeah. and then he lived in Beckenham, and I'm, I live in Crystal Palace, and um, always been sort of closely affiliated to Brixton, but... Beckenham is, you know, I go swimming in Beckenham. So I feel close to the two things. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we used to go and have pizza at ZZ's, which was, yeah. uh, was originally the uh, pub where yeah. Bowie had the uh, arts club and that. So. so would you, going back to glam, mud and sweet and stuff yeah. like that, was Bowie on your radar then? Um, yeah, but again, only as just like someone who was on telly. You know, I wasn't like a big... I wasn't a big fan or anything. Yeah. My, my girlfriend, she was, you know, and still is. Uh, same girlfriend. I've been the same girlfriend for forty years. So, really, she's like like the biggest. Uh, yeah. Upset my manager Mark because he thinks he's the biggest Bowie fan in the world. But I'd, <laughs> I'd say it's a close thing. But uh, yeah, so she. Um, I mean, I I'll just tell you this for just for it's not a. I'm not trying to <laughs> bring anything down, but because Dave Bowie died on the same day as my mum. So oh, wow. it, was, it was a bizarre thing because, like, I knew my mum was, was you know, going to die and sort of, we was de- we down in Devon with her, me and my sister. And then she, and she di- died and then I had to speak to my girlfriend and I'd got, so I'd got up in the morning, I thought I'd tell her in the morning. Uh, and then that's on the news, it's like, oh, he's gone, so I'm talking, she's, she's crying, but uh, it was just a, you know, it's very much a sort of, oh, by the way, <laughs> by the yeah. way kind of thing. My mum died. It's weird. So that's that whole thing's yeah yeah it's kind of made like David Bay more yeah more significant yeah. to me now than he ever was almost because so, I'll always associate it with that yeah it's weird so aside from walking past him at Top of the Pops yeah did you get to see Bowie live 
Uh, I, yeah, I saw him, but it wasn't great. It was Milton Keynes Bowl. Right. So uh, when was I this? Think it was. It was. Um, it was Let's Dance around that time. Okay. It was just a, such an awful venue. Yeah. It's just the worst venue in the world to to see somebody. So I saw him there. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, Top of the Pops. Uh, Top of the Pops. Our manager at the time trod on trod on his foot. <laughs> and so he said uh, made a joke, but I presume it was a joke to his somebody with him that uh, he was going to have his legs broken. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it was a joke. Um, okay, so before we get on to the, 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 the last track, um, you've, got, you've got, what have you got coming up gig-wise? I've got, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing a couple of odd sort of, uh, um, like these all day things and festival things so I'm playing uh, I should remember the dates but I don't I'm doing a couple in May so I'm doing gigantic festival in, with Echo and the Bunnyman actually Amazing. in Manchester and I'm playing the uh, the um, Bish Bash in Bishop's Thoughts for okay in May and then I've got so I'm doing like four gigs in October it's four in sort of Glasgow Birmingham Leeds and Brighton What's Bish Bash? I'm not... Bish Bash is like a... I think it's just one day, like a one-day festival. Yeah. Bishop Stortford. Oh, right. Don't... Yeah. Black Grape playing. Oh, okay. Going on before them. And then, like, most of the other local acts, I think. All oh, right. Wicked. Yeah. So, it, whilst talking about gigs, um, around the time when you was growing up and stuff like that, what were the kind of live venues in the area... That, that you will frequent are any of them still still standing up um, there were uh, no because there was there was the, the Croydon Greyhound mm -hmm. was probably the that's gone I don't know why it's there but I don't know what it is now uh, there were like there were like pubs I remember going to like, like the two brewers in Clapham where they'd have sort of yeah. mod bands and stuff on um, would that have been the sort of second wave of, of yeah second mod, wave yeah. yeah which I was into yeah um, Actually, but before that, I mean, we used to play. There were like, there were pubs, pub, like pub gigs, back rooms of pubs. There were. But was this the time Cro of in Croydon? And and, yeah. Well, no, sort of late, later than that, really. Yeah. But there were places in Croydon, and, and there were things like, you no, know, I sort of think of like uh, the 101 Club in Clapham. I think that became. Did that become the Grand? No, it didn't. It was a. There were there were just more. I think there were just generally more. Yeah. Gigs, more places to play where people, and you 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 sort of think like. So you might think of them as being just like crappy little pub gigs, but you might look, you'll look back at who played there and it'll be like, oh, you know, it was, you know, everyone was, you know, Eddie and the Hot Rods and yeah. all those sort of bands that were yeah. basically quite well known now, yeah. you know, we're all, we're all playing there. So, and those are all gone now. I think yeah. most, pretty much everywhere I've played in the past has been, really has sad, been knocked it? down. Like, or, just, just sort of yeah. seeing like, I, I don't know if the, Hundred clubs being spared, but it looks like the socials. Hundred clubs still there, yeah. But the socials in Bovenary, isn't it? I think there was yeah. some sort of kickstart thing to try and save that venue. And yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. some of the, I think there are some venues because I get uh, do get asked to like support things. There are, I mean, I'm not going to name them, but there have been venues that where I've been asked to support them, and you, and you think like you could, uh, you sort of think, well, that doesn't surprise me because yeah, you ran it badly and you yeah. were, you were horrible to the. To yeah. all the bands, there are some venues like that yeah. that would just treat you really badly, and yeah. and then they wonder why they're sort of. 
But you know, in, in most still pa- talking about the ham sandwiches. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bloody ham sandwich. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's terrible. Yeah, you know, things like the Astoria and the, yeah. some of those. those it's that, a lot of those medium, uh, yeah. medium sized You know, sort of the gigs that come between. Yeah. So you know, you can play like, I don't know, you're playing in, in your local pub to your family. And then the next step up is the O2 or something. Yeah. <laughs> or Brixton Academy. There's no, yeah. there's not a lot of, and there are no college gigs and that, you know. Yeah. Carter did all the, you know, we played university, you know, polytechnics and stuff. So they're all, I presume they're all common, yeah. aren't they? So was there, j- just a selfish question really, like. And the pink toothbrush, of course. Obviously, mate. <laughs> still going strong every Friday. <laughs> Come down. <laughs> um, was there good camaraderie or was it, competitive talking like you know that kind of Carter heyday with, yeah. with, with, with the sort of I mean I've seen that you, you know you've done shows of, of some of the comebacks up with EMF and yeah. things like that and, and and all of them bands from you yeah, know, I that think era was there camaraderie or was yeah. there was there competitiveness there or was it a healthy competitiveness I think maybe healthy com- competitiveness but we, we did yeah we all sort of got on and we did like you know we did, we did a lot of gigs there were a lot of people like Populate Self and Spiral Carpets and EMF, who kind of played with us, did like secret supports, yeah. unannounced. So, you know, they, they, I presume they wouldn't have done that. With, yeah. But there were a lot of bands we went on tour with who we were pretty close to, you know, like Sultan's Ping. And yeah. Frank, Frank Waters played with me the other day. That's so, right. so that's yeah. still going, you know. Uh, someone on Twitter thought that was sad and we needed to move on, you know. <laughs> oh, really? But yeah. You know. But yeah, you know, it was sort of like yeah, census things, you know. Yeah. All those there was a Mega City Four. There was quite you do get yeah. that kind of thing where you sort of exchange like family cats on a lot like of you as well, yeah. And I'm still kind of friends with with Kev the drummer. Yeah. You know. I mean, they've done half of them moved back to Cornwall because they're from yeah. Cornwall because we knew them before, like way before. We used to sort of go around the house a lot. And yeah. They were kind of like they're a bit like the monkeys in the they sort of they all live together. Right. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Pushing the bed down the road. Okay, Jim. Last song. So this is this is your opportunity to uh, to sort of chat about something that you think maybe people haven't heard that you'd like okay. them to hear because oh, you, yeah. you think I'm it's trying to think what I said. But I said that the Jimmy Webb didn't you I? Did. Um, it's just. Uh, I mean, I love Jimmy Webb, and and I don't just mean when it's Glenn Campbell or someone doing his songs. That like I love it when he's when he sings them himself. Yeah. Uh, and my my favourite of all of his songs is. It's Asleep on the Wind. But the, the only version I think that you can find out there has got, it's kind of, there's two songs joined together. So it's this instrumental, which is called, uh, what's the instrumental called? Um, I don't know. I can't remember, isn't it on there? Uh, <laughs> it's called... Land's End, Asleep on the Wind. That's it, Land's End. Yeah. So, and it's just this kind of classical bit. Mm-hmm. But then it's got these, I think it's supposed to be seagulls, but they've obviously done it with uh, like a swanny whistle or something. So it's, it's just really weird. Yeah. And that goes on for ages, and then asleep on the wind. So the whole thing's like ten minutes long or something. Yeah. But it's the most moving, brilliant piece of yeah. songwriting. And it's it's weird. He does get overlooked, doesn't he, Jimmy Webb? I think because I, I guess people just a lot of the time credit Glenn Campbell yeah. for them. Yeah. I mean, when he's gone, we'll know. Yeah. But I've yeah. seen I've seen him live twice, and because uh, uh, he doesn't play like massive venues, so you can see him in sort of. And he just, uh, he just sits at the piano and he tells, uh, 
is sort of telling stories in a, in a kind of way that's quite sort of uh, schmaltzy. And you imagine he's done it yeah. a million times, and he's while well, he's sort of tinkling the piano. Yeah. Like, you know, and then uh, and I said to Glenn, and, and, it be, uh, and then I was with Richard Harris, and I said, "Hey, Rich, I got this song for you." And, yeah. and he went, and then he sings. So, uh, you know, but yeah, it's just that. But he's like a you know proper genius. Yeah. You know, I'd say. Did his his sons put music out, didn't they? Yeah, and he, yeah, and he played in the band. They played in the band with him as well for, oh, really? for a little while, I think. Yeah. But yeah. they're the Web Brothers, That's right, they? yeah. Yeah, the Web Brothers. Because yeah. he wrote, you know, he wrote, uh, what's it, Up, Up and Away, My Beautiful Balloon, when oh. he was like, I can't remember, you know, he was like 16 or something when he wrote that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just, and it's, it, it's one of those, because he's one of those people, isn't he, who's, you don't even realise that he wrote such and such a song. Yeah. You know? But it was really weird, sort of, I was looking at um, Frankie Valley, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and obviously everybody knows all the Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons hits, and, yeah. and and then just sort of digging a little bit deeper, the amount of songs that he gave away, oh, yeah. you just don't realise these huge, amazing records, and yeah. it's like, and again, I don't know if he ever gets the credit he deserves no, for probably doesn't even get the money because they like, they probably did those sort of things <laughs> yeah. then they probably like yeah. did it for like a hundred dollars or something yeah. and that was it yeah absolutely yeah. okay so the book's out now yep where can people get that well I've got mine off Amazon so I know it's on there well you can get it off Amazon uh, I mean you should be able to get it in all, in all yep. good bookshops and if people want to find out where all your upcoming shows are where's probably, the best place uh, go to my website which is jim-bob.co.uk okay um, Jim are you happy for me to tag you in the post when I put this out so people can yeah. slag off your choices or Absolutely. say nice things I'll be doing it myself so. <laughs> <laughs> Jim thank you so much mate I really a, appreciate you coming pleasure. down and, uh, and I'm going to ask you to sign my book now of course and, uh, <laughs> and I'll see you soon thank fantastic. you there you have it that was lovely right I had a smashing time talking to Jim. He was a such a nice, nice guy. And when we stopped recording, we carried on chatting for uh, a fair old time. Unfortunately, I had to shoot off to record another podcast because I'd like to uh, spend some more time talking to him because because um, he was bloody lovely. Um, Jim's book's out now, as you know. Um, go and check it all out um, on on Jim's website. And if you enjoyed this podcast, as I mentioned at the beginning, please like love share retweet on the socials if you see it and go over to itunes leave us a comment or and uh and subscribe will be even better and uh but everything you need to know about this podcast is at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com thanks again for listening i'll see you next time bye bye oh yeah sorry i've butted in yet again i just want to quickly tell you about this magazine it's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and it's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, 
you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It may stew with him. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.